0: Hello and welcome to Music Works, the podcast that explores the future of the classical music industry. Although Rossina Grieco is still a relatively recent graduate of the prestigious Glenn Gould School, she has already made a considerable name for herself as a concert pianist. She recorded her debut album with the Orpheus Classical label of Chopin's Scherzi and Preludes, which she quickly followed with a recording of Beethoven Sonatas, both of which were recorded from live performance. In this conversation she talks to Music Works about the importance to her of live recording compared with the recording studio and why this means the pandemic has hit her especially hard. It's an emotional topic as she reflects on the thirst for the live concert experience for both performer and audience alike. She also reflects extremely eloquently on the challenges of making the transition from the conservatoire to the concert stage and the things they don't teach the students but which are essential to a successful individual career. She gives us some invaluable insights there about the teacher-student relationship and also of the competition circuit and how they can both support the student and also stand in the way of their ability to assert their own identity as performer. We round up with some great tips from Rossina about how to get the most out of your time as a student of performance and how to carry that forward into your career. But before we go to the studio where Rossina is waiting to speak to Music Works, we bring you this message from our sponsor. Music Works is generously supported by Allianz Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer, serving the music community since 1960, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. Alliance offer a team of music experts who understand musicians' needs and lifestyles, especially helpful during the strange times we're in. You can get cover for all types of instruments and musical equipment. Cover includes protection against accidental damage, loss, theft and more. Also, unlike home insurance, there's no excess to pay on instrument or accessory claims. If these difficult times have shown us anything, it's that life could be unpredictable and a lot of things are beyond our control. That's why insurance is important for any musician, whether you're planning to tour the world or teach the next generation. Then, if the worst happens, you won't be left out of pocket and you can get back to doing what you do best. At the moment, Allianz have a special online offer with two months' free cover. And not only that, but every Alliance Music policy now includes free legal assistance and support, so you can protect yourself both as a musician and in your personal life. Find out more at alliancemusic.co.uk. And so we take you over to the studio where Rossina Grieco is waiting to speak to Music Works. Welcome, Rossina. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much, Katie, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: It's a pleasure to talk to you today. So um, we have a lot to talk about. Um, so Rossina is a classical pianist. We've been working together for a couple of months now, and um, she is. Um, in her first year in the professional world having graduated last spring, but already has two albums released with Orpheus Classical, um, which is absolutely
1: fantastic and congratulations. Thank you so much. Wow, I feel very honored to be here and I love that intro. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
0: Um, So let's start by talking about your albums and it really is such a huge success to have two albums come out, not only in your first year, of your professional work, but also um, in this, the year that we've just had as, uh, you know, as you know. So, uh, so tell us about it. Tell us about the albums first of all.
1: Um, wow, where to start? Well, I graduated last spring uh, from an artist diploma at the Glen Gould School. And I finished playing a few concerts that were very important to me because they, were anthological concerts. Uh, one of them was all of the Chopin Etudes in their entirety, no um, no intermissions, and it was live and it was recorded. Uh, so I did a few concerts like that, and you know I had all of these great well great to me uh they i had all these recordings uh that were recorded live and i figured to myself you know there must be some kind of way that i can find this um find this niche where promoting an album or maybe promoting a video uh to put towards my career uh would be prudent and i just did a lot of online research and um Eventually landed on Orpheus Classical, which is a very unique opportunity for me. Uh, they are a label based out of Spain, uh, with offices in New York, uh, all over Europe. Really, I think there's an office in Paris too. And with the application, I sent in uh, live tapes, so only live, and they were unedited, um, you know, untouched. And you basically sent in your recording project as is. Um, And luckily enough, they wanted to debut my first Chopin album, which was For Scherzi and the 24 Preludes um, as my debut album, which I was so unbelievably thrilled and honored uh, to have happen to me. Um, And within a few months, I, sort of on a whim pitched another idea to them uh and it was also a monographic idea of an all Beethoven album because it recently was his birthday and uh so we came out with a second album within a couple of months um it was very convenient for me because I had all of this pre-recorded live Uh, from concerts I feel like I'm always you know uh sort of almost talking about how it was live but it it really was you know very special to me because I remember everything about those concerts um so we had another live album come out with three Beethoven sonatas and it was very special to me because the first one was his very first uh sonata the second one was the a which is somewhere in the middle of the road, I would say. It's not late, but it's not early. It's definitely, you know, he's getting into it. You know, he's really... Uh, he's
0: getting serious. He's
1: getting serious. <laughs> um, and then the last one was, uh, you know, Opus 109, which is a monstrous work, if I may say so myself. Um, so, yeah, we, we kind of did like a, a journey in his sonata, uh life I guess yeah so it was no I I am extremely grateful and honored to have that happen to me
0: um it's wonderful to have your live recordings I think you're absolutely right to talk about how they're live (laughs) to have them picked up and and, um released in this way
1: um well you know the the, sorry I went on and on uh the thing about the live albums why they're so special to me is I just um when I was in school, I remember being extremely adamant about always recording my uh recitals. And, you know, I, I never was one to pre-record stuff, go into the studio, maybe over edit anything, um, touch things up. That's not something I I, I would ever do or want to do. Um and each recital was so important to me because I knew that this was make or break. You know, you are either hundred fifty percent ready, you either have everything perfect, flawless, and or you don't. You don't get on stage and play. Um, and I knew that having these videos uh, collected over the years of school that I had, six years worth of. Uh, hour long recitals. This was something that I knew, even if I never uh, made a way for myself in this arena, in this industry, that I could look back and say, you know what, those concerts were great. Um, They were unedited, untouched. And there's so much life and nuance and special moments in these live concerts
0: particularly poignant given uh, given the times we're in now obviously having yeah. been there uh, I think yeah. we were just discussing the other day wasn't it it's been a year since you've been on stage yes,
1: yes. As,
0: as for so many um so I mean do you want to talk a bit about the pandemic about how you know how what is it like as an artist and obviously you know um usually performing solo concerts that you know you would you need you need the platform for don't you you know
1: this is a complicated question. I think for me, I struggled definitely in the pandemic. I still am struggling a little bit um, with just grappling on purpose and the need to push yourself and the need to motivate yourself uh, in these times because, uh, you know, musicians, we need, at least I find that I need that push that oomph, you know like there's a show coming up you need to work get your life together get your attitude together get your work ethic together everything has to be sort of almost militant to me but that's gone now so for me to feel as though i'm still a working professional still a musician still a pianist still an artist contributing to this world, I've definitely slowed down. I've uh, took on learning new repertoire, like all of Schubert's impromptus and the Brahms Paganini variations, but it feels different because now this is where it gets complicated because I know a lot of my peers. I know a lot of industry professionals who have gone on to maybe alternating between being great live versus great on Instagram. Uh, And I'm okay with you finding a need uh, or a niche, sorry, excuse me, uh, a niche for yourself where you can still flex your abilities and maybe play something new and show your audience. Do you? But I find more and more that musicians are clinging to this platform and forgetting that your career will not be based on 60-second clips. Your career will not be, you know, that re-recorded, over-edited, perfectly miked, perfectly filtered, 10-second clip of you playing a very difficult passage. That's not, being a musician, it's not being on stage it's not being an artist you know yeah
0: it's difficult isn't it because on the one hand you can see why people do it because obviously there are no live concerts at the moment but on the other hand it is a i think it's a a risk for people you know um like you say um the instagram perfection trap is problematic across across you know everything isn't it um you know the idea that you can present yourself so perfectly in these tiny snippets um and you know it's very difficult in fact impossible to emulate that in real life and probably nor should you because actually it, it sort of leaves out a lot of the excitement and
1: um you know aliveness yeah yeah, exactly the, of the unknown right like you yeah. walk into a concert and if it's a great artist you just don't know you don't know you could walk into a Chef concert or a kissing concert or you cheetah and you don't know what's going to happen someone might lose their footing on stage, someone might fall, someone might blow your mind with what they did with this musical passage. Someone might, you know, give a great encore. It just, it's so hard to try and explain, especially to people not in the industry, um, why overuse of social media, especially regarding uh, playing is so, I would say almost detrimental and problematic um mm-hmm. because anybody can really be great anybody can be great
0: and if you're not someone who feels um like they want to put you know 10 second videos on instagram you worry don't you that you're missing something somehow that this is you know this is the way the industry is moving and uh, this is something that i talk about um quite a lot is the, is um the amount that people don't do because they're panicking that they don't want to do what they saw someone else do.
1: Yes. <laughs> people
0: are like, oh, I could never do it like that, so I just won't do it at all. Um,
1: and, you know, I, this is the part where I begin to grapple because if you're not doing anything, what are you doing? What are you contributing to this industry? If you're not on stage showing your art, wowing crowds, you know, giving someone the experience that they won't ever forget, what are you doing? And it is selfish for us to, well, me, to sit at home and maybe play new rep and be excited about it and try to find motivation and sit quietly while others are being proactive. I would say that's an argument for wanting to be more visible on social media. But then you reason to yourself that it's only been a year. It's a long time, but it is a pandemic. It's okay to do what you need to do to cope in this time. Um, And, you know, if you look at someone like, I don't know, Luciano Pavarotti, Cecilia Bartoli, Mitsuko Uchida, the late great Futsong, like, they didn't stress about maybe taking a year off. They didn't um, ever waver from being that sort of everlasting foot soldier in the classical music industry. You know we have a sort of I'm getting very, very emotional <laughs> <More> <laughs> a sort of a, I feel like we have a responsibility to stay faithful, to stay loyal, to just never give up hope that one day, we will be on stage again in front of a live crowd and making people weep at that one passage or you know make them ask for more encores or that that energy won't just die out that that thirst for a real concert will always be there so
0: i absolutely yeah. believe that that's true i absolutely do i know that that everyone is dying for Live concerts to start again, and um, there was a moment I think when everyone everything started going online where people would we ever have live concerts again? But I know that we will, and that there's all these different types of content, aren't they? Like the 10 second videos are different from like a full film that might have been filmed, you know, with a big orchestra in a concert hall that you know gets released on TV or on DVD, is different from the radio, is different from a CD, is different from a live concert. There's yeah. all these different ways that it can be done, and I think that. Um, yeah, getting um. It's it's helpful to be clear about what it is if you are producing online content, what it is for, isn't yes. it? And it yes. is not for replacing the live experience, but it maybe is for growing a profile and you know sharing some music with people. And I think you know you mentioned that the the greats taking a year off. I think it's a really really good point. And it's you know I think it's terrifying as a freelancer to take a year off because you yes. don't know what you're gonna miss, but also. This isn't a year off that one person has taken this is the entire industry has paused um almost completely for a whole year um and that in a sense is completely well more than in a sense is completely different from anything we've ever experienced before because actually you could look at this and say this is not a actually shouldn't really hopefully be to my the detriment of my career because actually it's been the same for everybody it is level yes. you know it doesn't matter that the more established people have not been working during this time Absolutely. any more than, Many so. more than any of us. yeah yeah exactly so yeah there's a lot in that though isn't there and i completely um I, you know i hear what you're saying so much about the the need for motivation and the need for it goes to more than just you know motivation to meet a deadline or prepare a piece for a concert it goes to um our identity doesn't it yes the feeling that you know if we're not doing this we're not the thing that we are
1: well i mean for me i definitely felt a little bit like a dilettante this year uh you know occasionally practicing a very good session every day maybe just a little bit at a time before i remember i was very adamant and almost overly strict um just to give you a daily schedule of what my life was like when i was prepping for that all Chopin etudes concert i was up at 4 uh going to a boot camp class which you know i swear by physical exercise is my mecca um and going to a practice studio and Spending maybe two, three hours on just the first book, the second book, a few uncomfortable etudes to get them really in my hands. And that was sort of my everyday solace to feel like I was preparing, that I was doing my job, that I was doing the due diligence. Um, And now that that's gone, um, every day can feel sort of like you have a schedule. I still try to get up early and you know, work out every day and practice maybe an hour or two on new repertoire, but it just doesn't feel the same. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, this all boils back down to whether or not any of us should be making the transition to a full online presence, um, beyond feeling or preparing for the stage. There have been times when I have almost pressed the checkout button on Amazon wanting to buy all those lights and the recording devices and the the light boxes saying, you need to do something. You got to get your work out there. You have to be proactive. It's not the end of the world. And then I don't because I know that the level of perfection you need for that single 60 second clip is a day's work. You are recording it the first time, maybe talking about it a little bit, re recording, re recording, editing, touching. And I knew that that would affect how I actually performed on stage. Yeah, I love how we always circle back to this topic. Yeah, <laughs> You're <interesting. laughs> well, just to so no 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 not at all it's always
0: it's just really really key isn't it and it's the big the big debate that's going on in people's minds individually at the moment and I'm glad that you're talking about it so eloquently because I'm sure that many many musicians have been you know going through the right. same this same dilemma I'm sure there's lots of amazon baskets yes. you know sitting filled and unclicked <laughs> you know I wondering about this. Out. yeah exactly <laughs> um So let's take this to, so we had a really interesting conversation just before this, um, before we hit record and um, to come back to um, kind of the transition out of um, a conservatoire education and into the professional world. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have a feeling that we'll be circling back to social media in this, uh, which is totally I feel like
1: uh, that is the theme of today. Yes.
0: (laughs) Um, but I would love to talk to you about this because obviously it's, it's relatively recent for you and um, certainly a lot more recent than it is for me. And, uh, <laughs> um, and you know, it's been an unusual time, certainly. But, um, you know, we, tell me about what it's like um, kind of moving from student life to, prof- to being a professional pianist.
1: What a loaded question. Um, a good one, but loaded. You know, I actually, and I'm going to try and encapsulate what I feel about this uh, as eloquently as I can. I think that a lot goes into preparing yourself for the stage. I think that in order to elevate yourself from being a student, which is at times challenging, but mostly comforting, because you have the support of your peers, your colleagues, your professors, your parents. Um, And in school, I think as a pianist, I found myself always wanting to strive for perfection. And I know that that's a little bit detrimental because beauty is an imperfection. But in school, I think that students can be maybe even a little bit coddled, maybe even a bit spoiled uh, because everybody wants to create a positive environment. Everybody wants you to feel safe, to create, to find your presence. But growing up with a Russian piano teacher uh, from St. Petersburg, there was something always ingrained in me that I knew in order to set foot on the stage. Your guns better be blazing. You better be <laughs> so prepared, so poised and polished. you know. And that is something that as much as I know how, I'm gonna even use the word toxic here. Toxic child prodigies can be. I know that having that experience from when I was a child, having set foot on stage when I was six, having my first symphony debut at eight, and this isn't me bragging, I'm just speaking from the heart here. Uh, This is something that I feel like I was being critiqued on and strategized upon for years and years and years. You know, when you set foot in a school, I think that a lot of people mistake that the work is done. You are, a great musician already. You have gotten your way into Juilliard, into Curtis, into Colburn. And because of that, you are already elite and a great player, which could be true. It could be very true. It could be 100% true. But there is so much that conservatoires leave out for musicians who want to take the stage one day, who want to be that you know, performing artists that wows crowds, that brings them to their feet. You know, what is missing, I think, is maybe not the militant Russian teacher, but I would say an emphasis on true showmanship, true musicianship. How do you teach a student to walk on stage? How do you teach them to deal with the press? How do you tell them what's charming and what's annoying when dealing with audiences explaining your works. We are not giving a history presentation about this piece. We are trying to get people excited about your work, trying to get them to feel close to you because you have a personal opinion about this work, why it's beautiful to you. I would go so far as to say that we need to teach students that it's okay to be a little bit flashy. I'm not talking about, you know, Hollywood flashy, but it's a, new, it's a new era. We are of a new time. I remember when I was a child, I watched Luciano Pavarotti sing. He was the most charismatic, the most charming, effervescent tenor there was. And it wasn't laden with pretense. It was natural. It was real. And I think that because conservatories are breeding so much of this competition material so much of the same cookie cutter player that we're losing players that are truly individual truly unique um, who have their own voice and maybe have their own style maybe are a little bit off the beaten path but man they'll give you a good show so (laughs) you know it's it's a complicated relationship. How do you go from the cradle to the stage? I I really couldn't tell you. I, it's
0: really interesting to hear. I'm interested in. Uh, I I've been thinking about this a lot because I talk a lot about confidence and uh, and and <laughs> setting fees for musicians yeah. in particular. And like I, in um, how you go because music, as you know, is something that you do from. Yeah you know, very, very early age. And obviously, you don't start out getting paid at the age of five. And then you go through, and then you you learn and you're a kind of you're a student, a pupil to often to a master depending on the the tradition and through which you're taught. But there is a lot of very hierarchical relationships in music education in terms of, you know, at what point are you allowed to have your own sense of style, your own sense of flamboyancy or subtlety or your own emotion and stamp on it. And it's kind of Um, I'm interested to know what your thoughts are on this because I am um, you know hoping to help people (laughs) find that point because I feel like it's somewhere in student it is studentship that you're supposed to switch from being the pupil who learns from the master to being your own performer with your own unique take of and your own unique
1: I couldn't have put it better um I know that I will always be my teacher's student. So whenever I see her, whenever I'm on the phone with her, I'm still nervous. I am still that young child who had a thirst for music, but wanted to be the best that I could be. And I really, I needed that kick in the butt. So I will never stop being that student to her. And um, that's okay. I embrace that. But when does it become... Problematic in it affecting your confidence on stage and the things you tell yourself before leading up to a concert. I found that when I was in school, I had so many opinions thrown at me from masters, from titans of our industry. You know, if it's not a master class with Andre Schiff or with Richard Good, it is your own professors giving you their expert opinion. Mm-hmm. And while that's while I felt extremely privileged to have that, I really struggled with finding my own confidence, finding my own brand, finding my own voice. And it got to be so important to me finally because I remember so clearly, I had the first concert uh in Toronto. Uh, at the Four Seasons. It was a noon concert and I had sort of religiously followed everything that my new professors told me and I had never felt worse. I had never felt less confident, less independent, less artistic than the day that I was on stage and the only voice I could hear in my head was my profs. And I walked off feeling completely, completely torn, you know, how can you be a good pupil, but also an independent artist. So finally, I remember, I just remember going through school and making it almost a rule that before concert, before show, before recording, before anything, I'm not seeing my profs for a month. And I don't care if you knock down my practice room door and you think it's so rebellious and rude. I don't care. I needed that time to get myself together, to remind myself every day in the mirror, you are meant to do this. You are going to kill it. You are, you know, this is what you've been preparing for almost like fighters before they go into the ring. It's that intense i would say you have to hype Um, yourself up
0: absolutely you have to yeah it's like you have to know everything you've learned and then also forget it all at the same time (laughs) because if you think about it it's you just can't you just can't do that and it's weird i don't know if you get this but when i used to perform i used to i used to not really be able to remember it that well like i wouldn't sometimes i would and i'd be like oh god i did that thing and that thing but sometimes it would especially if it went well it would just go in a blur and afterwards i'd be like "So that's great
1: Yeah. No, I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna pretend to adopt humility here like so many masters before me. If something feels good and it went well, you could pick at it a little bit just to you know. Seem like but the you know, audience
0: don't do that, do they? No, and it's not, no. not a competition and it's not uh, an audition. And that is the critical thing, is that it is a performance. And I've I've watched so many performances by really amazing artists and I've noticed Run, snakes, no there. they just they just go like they you see them and then they're gone and you don't care because the whole thing was you know was Had incredible it. And, and it just doesn't matter. And if those people were hung up on the wrong notes, which they're not, um they would, they wouldn't be giving that performance, and it, and it wouldn't be out there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, that's a really, a, a really interesting is that 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 balance between, um, between, as you said, being a good pupil and an independent artist at the same time, such a complete dichotomy. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah, sure. What is the sort of barometer in which we measure competition players through independent artists where is the line from because i find that so many competition players they all sound the same i'm really sorry to say this but they all sound the same and you know you have to sort of give them the benefit of the doubt or the immediate positive reaction because you look at their resume and they went to Curtis or they went to Juilliard or you know they have this prof and that prof's recommendation but then you hear them and it's like I want more I want you I don't want that you know I when you listen to someone like Argerich I'm not concerned about how many wrong notes she's pressing I'm not concerned about where she studied what prizes she's won if you're good you will you know intoxicate the whole room you know it's i think it's complicated
0: it is because you know i mean most competitions or many competitions are still so um you know still use fixed rep for instance and how that can possibly you know promote individuality (laughs) um and freedom of expression. You know, it's it's such a. I could do. I've I've actually done an episode before on competitions, and I feel like i could do a whole other one because they're there's, there's so much to say. About. <laughs> yes, there really is, and they're so important. Yes. To the industry, they are. I mean, in the, the last the, the episode I did with um with Anna from virtual concert halls in the last season, we were talking mm-hmm. about how the the competition is essentially the job fair for the music industry. Yes. Um and it has such a huge impact and yet there's so much constraint on artistic freedom within them
1: on artistic freedom on artistic license i mean even the process of getting in the door is yeah. almost an elitist <sighs> yeah it's it's elitist yeah,
0: no, the, there are there are a lot of competitions where there are problems with um it being about who you know and even if they aren't like that there's yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of problems even if it's completely fair and right with the fact yeah. that everyone has to be judged on one performance on one day yes um, because anything could have happened you know
1: um, You're, you don't know how long this person's been playing this competition rep right you never know i know so many pianists who have placed at so many different competitions and good on you You know, that is not an easy feat. I have a lot of respect for that. Uh, Competition room is no joke. It's worse than playing for a crowd, Mm -hmm. um, I would say. But when does it stop being about winning that prize and being a working artist? You can play the same rep for 10 years and competitions wouldn't even know. If you are running around playing the same rep for different juries, getting it so perfect and so, you know, unattainably uh, polished that every single musician who judges it can't pick out problems, which basically just means the piece has lost all unique taste and flavor. Um, Getting it to that point where you're almost like a workhorse or a hamster on a wheel, that's not really what being a concert pianist is. And I find that so many artists, pianists, peers, they can't actually leave their teachers. They can't. They can't ever say, This is our last lesson for a while. I need to get a handle on things. I need my own voice. That doesn't happen, especially for people who are in that competition circuit the quest for perfection in that regard never ends so
0: absolutely um and like uh, a
1: tangent about so many no
0: no i don't think you have actually it's been very very focused and it comes back to um it does it's it's a similar point to what you were saying about instagram before um it is it is again about it's about perfecting that that trick in a way, that thing. So, so it's it's all about the the audience that you're preparing it for. So if you yeah. know how to make competition, and, and like I said, like you said, if you know how to make ju- um, competition judges give you prizes, that is an achievement. That is not something that I am saying is a bad thing. Um, but it is a particular skill. And um, making perfect videos for Instagram is a particular skill, and it's not to say that they have no place in the world of music. Um, it's just as you as you say, it's 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 one part of. It's one part the yeah. whole thing um and it's something that has been unfairly focused on recently i think obviously because people haven't had the concert platform so they've they've as you said many have turned to instagram as a kind of um or other platforms as a comfort way of getting things out yeah, and yeah. A comfort. Yeah. um and do you have any advice um you know let's say for, for pianists coming through college or like who you know, um, who would like to release two albums in their first year as a professional, like you have, um, or, you know, who want to get that balance right um, but, um, of all the stuff we've talked about. Can you give us a piece of, of advice? Please. Nice.
1: Uh, I really, to be honest, I don't know if I should be doling out advice to anybody, but oh. <laughs> I will say that when you're in school, socialize less network less, listen to other people's opinions less, close the door, hone in on your skills, get to the best possible place that you can as whatever instrumentalist you are. Learn mountains of rep because you need it. You need it because when you are out in the world and someone says, I want a solo recital, and that concert is gonna be duplicated everywhere across the country. Are you really telling me that you are going to play the same hour long rep you've been working on for the past year with your prof? No, learn as much as you can. I would also say find inspiration from other art mediums, whether it's film, uh, literature, poetry, like everything that's in our, arena um breathe it in let it inspire you and never ever stop searching for the right fit Mm, Uh, which is how which is which is actually how I came to start working with you. I you know things just fit right you know so
0: (laughs) I agree they just lovely to say yeah. Um. I agree about other art forms. I think this this to me feels like. Um. I mean, I agree with everything you said. But the um <laughs> the idea of being of being well rounded and having, because uh, one of the things I think is challenging for young musicians is they're expected to play music as though they've lived an entire life. And you know, so yeah. You know, when um, when you're young and you sort of almost hope that not that much has happened to people. And you know that um that you know we have to find the inspiration and. Um, you know really depth of sense of, of what everything's all about and art and poetry and film and all sorts of other um, media can Absolutely. Be so important for that. oh that's brilliant thank you so much Rosina this has been such a fantastic conversation thank you so um,
1: much for having me <laughs> it's
0: such a pleasure to talk to a serious working musician about your musical life and a life that is so often hidden behind the scenes to many of us We're so grateful for how much you've shared with us about the special challenges that the COVID pandemic has presented to your experience as an active performer and your aspirations for your own musical development and how you've coped with this. It's also been so interesting to hear your thoughts on the experience of the conservatoire and also of the competition circuit and how you move from that to making your mark as an individual performer. I know that will strike a chord with so many of our listeners. Um, If you want to find out more about Rossina, you can find this on her website, uh, www.rosinagrieko.com, together with links to her wonderful albums of Chopin and Beethoven. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Music Works podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe, check out our other great episodes, and even better, leave us a review. You can also sign up to our mailing list at www.polyphonyarts.com forward slash mailing dash list for updates and news about what polyphony arts is up to for all you classical music folk out there you can find more information in the show notes as well meanwhile i'm katie beardsworth and i look forward to sharing with you the next great episode of music works music works is generously supported by Alliance musical insurance the UK's number one musical instrument insurer. Allianz Music Insurance, serving the music community since 1960, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. Music Works is a Polyphony Arts production. Thank you for listening.